Welcome to another episode of Them Asperger's. Uh... Nicky's really ill. <laughs> he's not as ill as he's making himself sound, but he's ill. I'm really ill. He's not that ill. I'm super ill. He's got a bit of a cough. I'm dying. He's not dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end times. Okay. This is my last podcast. And this is what he's like every time he's ill. What? <laughs> this is how it is. <laughs> this is it. Every time you're ill, that's it. You're at death's door. I got lucky the last few times <laughs> and somehow managed to survive. But this time, is this is it. <laughs> this is the end times. Yeah. You'll have to do these on your own after this week. Yeah. This is the last time. It'll uh. be me and you. Are you going to keep the name there, Aspergers? Or you've decided to... Uh, you're just going to rename it to just something to do with yourself? Um, um, that Scarlet. That Scarlet. <laughs> no one's going to know what it's about. No. No. Well, you've got a few days to decide. Um, You know, we'll probably have to take a week out for my funeral. <laughs> but then after that... You'll have to maintain these podcasts. It's a cough, okay? It's a cough. It's not a cough. You've had a bit of a temperature as well. You have been ill. Yeah. And you still, you're still a little bit hot. But you've definitely not been at death's door. What? I get way more sensory when I'm ill. Yeah. Makes me... Uh, Grumpy. I was going to say sensitive. <laughs> Uh, I was not going to use the term grumpy, but I'm glad it's good to know that that's what you think of me when I'm ill, that I'm a bit grumpy. No, um, but there was, I think there was one night where you didn't get much sleep, or two nights in a row that you didn't get much sleep, and I would say you were a little bit grumpy. Are you trying to be diplomatic? Hey. Yes. So how was I then? A little bit grumpy. You just said you were being diplomatic. So how was I really? No, you weren't. No, no, no. You weren't. You weren't really bad. <coughs> um, but just, you know, you were a little bit more easily agitated. Yeah. You weren't your uh, fun bubbly self. <laughs> fun bubbly self. <laughs> Am I, am I fun and bubbly? Maybe not bubbly. I think you're fun. I'm not sure that everyone that everyone does, but I think you're really fun. Um, but no, you weren't... You know, you could tell things were annoying you a little bit more. Usually you're a very chill person. Yeah. Um, you weren't as chill. Right. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Yes. Everything's going fine. You have done a week of your new job I've now. I've done a whole week. A whole week. Yep. Wasn't so bad. Nope. The first day was so bad. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> 
So I don't know if anyone else struggles with this, um, being on the spectrum, but driving sometimes, actually, I think I'm a really good driver in my own head, but evidence points the other way. So I'm not, definitely can't work my way around multi-storey car parks. So I get there and the office has a huge multi-storey car park because it's a huge office and I've never driven around one before. So I get into the car park and there's no arrows. I think usually there's arrows on the floor that tell you which way you're meant to go. There was no arrows to tell me which way I was meant to go. And I was like, God, don't want to be late. So I've just got to get up this car park. I didn't do a very good job. So I went, started going up a ramp while someone else was trying to come down the ramp. So then they were waiting for me to get up, but I'd already stopped. So I was trying to start the car, but I kept stalling it because I was on a ramp. I stalled it about 12 times. And then I was like, okay, I'll just reverse and get out of their way. So I just reversed, got out of their way, let them go. And then I went up to the next floor. So at this point, I've managed to get to floor two when I need to be on floor 13. I start going up another ramp. Someone else is coming down. So I was like, I know how this works. I'll just reverse out the way. Just reverse straight into the pillar of the car park, the big concrete pillar. Um, And I was blocking loads of people. So there was loads of people trying to get up and people trying to get down. And I was blocking both of them whilst having reversed into a pillar. And I don't know how most people cope with stuff like this, but I just shut down. I just stopped doing anything. People were waiting for me to drive off or do something. And I just got out of my car and stood there staring at the scene, going like, someone's got to help me. But so, you got out of your car? Yeah, I got out of my car. I was just stood looking at everyone outside of my car until a really nice woman who works in the office parked her car on floor two um, and came over to me and asked if I wanted her to drive my car up the rest of the 12 floors for me and I did so I sat in the passenger seat of my own car while another woman drove my car up the to floor 13 and park it for me and it was really embarrassing and now everyone in the office knows because I'm quite distinctive looking as well in comparison I guess because I'm a lot younger than a lot of people that work there I'm new I've got a fringe and I always have kind of like funky rucksacks. We haven't got lockers yet, so I've always got my rucksack on when I'm in the office. Um, yeah, everyone everyone knows. The amount of people that have come up to me and gone, oh, you're the car park crash girl. I didn't do my car any damage, but I have so far not been able to drive myself in since because I'm too haunted by the experience. It was so embarrassing. Yeah, you had me pick you up from work. Yeah, Nikki's picked me up from work every night. And I finish at half ten. So it's been, like, quite late for you to come and pick me up every night. I know, I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's the... I know you don't like having attention attracted to yourself. Yeah. So I guess now you're known as the one that crashed your car in the yeah. multi-story car park. You can't drive around a multi-story car park, but I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure why you can't do that. Um, I, I think some of it's to do with, like, I'm not very good with spatial awareness. Yeah. Um, And I think it's that. Multi-stories are, obviously, the ceilings are low, which freaks me out in general. But the ceilings are low. It's all quite compact. You're driving around, like, tight spaces. 
I'm not very good at figuring that out. You know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I can drive around my story car park, so... I uh, kind of get what you mean. But I like that you've done that once and then that's it now. You won't drive there again. I will. I'm going to get over my fear at some point. Um, like, I'm going to have to. It's just really difficult for me to not think that it's just going to go the same way again. And I have this whole thing in my head of, like, the car I drive's a Mini. I haven't seen any other Minis there. You know, everyone else has, like, kind of fancy cars <coughs> or what I would call, like, mum cars. Um, so I feel like they're going to know, like, oh, God, he's the crazy driver in the Mini. Um, At least maybe no one will get near you. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think that they think you're going to try crash into them. I think they just think, like, you're the one that rolled down a ramp into a pillar. Yeah. But, yeah, that was my that was my first day. The rest of the day went fine, I should add. But it was a very bad start to my day. Uh, and I almost just didn't go to the job after that, if I'm honest. I just was so... I, I feel like embarrassed isn't the right word because I'm not... Embarrassment, I don't think I really feel embarrassment, but I really hate attention being on me. Um, I I really don't like attention. So I think it was more the attention I got from it, like having everyone know who I was. did not like that. I like to just blend into a room and be kind of uh invisible and i definitely wasn't invisible no you did say that people were coming up to you for the first day and the second day and referring to you as the one that crashed your car in the in the car park yeah in the car park yeah i i had two team leaders walk into the training room i was in just to get a look at me and laugh (laughs) and then walk out yeah 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 well it's uh i'm sure it'll be fine you'll uh, get the hang of it eventually but it means you've had to get public transport instead to get there which uh how's that going (sighs) most of the time it's fine because so my working hours are weird i do three till half ten uh which is actually been quite nice because it means i've got like all day or a lot of the day got all morning and a little bit of afternoon to do stuff um so the the good thing about that is getting the train at I guess about half two between two and half two in the afternoon is kind of dead Uh, so it's been really quiet so for the the public transport side of things has actually not been an issue for me ah all right I was gonna say uh like you must really uh hated the attention you got from driving that you're willing to get on public transport because I'm not sure to what level I'd have to be pushed to get on public transport to go to anywhere, so... Um, yeah, if it was, uh, like, a nine-to-five job and I had to get that train, I think I would have definitely driven in the next day because the prospect of getting the train, you know, at a busy time is hideous. But for the most part, at the train station, there's only been me and, like, one or two other groups of people... And on the train itself, I think I've only sat in carriages where there's been one other person in the carriage who's been quietly listening to music or reading a book or something. I haven't dealt with, uh, I haven't really dealt with it. You know, it's definitely not been crammed or loud or busy. 
So in terms of the transport, I've not had an issue, but that's purely based on the time of day. That's how I've managed that. Oh, uh, okay. Did wonder. Yeah, no, the train's at two o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday. There's there's no one getting the train. It's lovely. Ah. Uh, yeah. Not much else going on. I had my, um, uh, I suppose, risk assessment meeting. Yeah. For work. Uh, we talked about uh, what was that? What's it called? I keep forgetting what it's called. Last oh, week. Oh, yes. Thank you to whoever wrote this in on our page yeah. on our Facebook page. What's the thing called? That... Right, I'm on it. Uh, <laughs> we probably should have prepared. But this is actually really interesting, and maybe it's a good idea to talk about it. To well, people. I mean, you know more about it than I do, so yeah. you're the one that's done uh, the research into it you just told me about it so last week i was talking about um the thing with the bins and the staring at bins and not taking them out and or thinking i've done a job when i haven't done a job um and then because of that it's called executive function disorder yeah that's it uh somebody mentioned it last week uh, on our page yeah listening to the podcast they said that they think it's that uh, and then Scarlett's been looking it up for me yeah. to tell me what it's all about and that kind of thing. Uh, and I think we've decided that that is most likely what it is that I'm talking about. Yeah, there's been a couple of other suggestions like ADD and things like that. But looking looking at what we've looked at definitely seems like the most likely thing is executive function. Um, what's interesting is that It's not 100%. um, I don't know who the sources are, but some sources say that up to 80% of those with autism suffer from executive function disorder. Um, So that would, if I think a lot of our listeners are on the spectrum or know people that are, there's a good chance that they may have some sort of executive function problem. Yeah, yeah. So that came up. Last week somebody said that, and yeah, you've looked into it for me. Uh, And yeah, it sounds like that is... You think it's definitely something that I've got? Mm. Yeah. So that's handy because that means I can start looking into... um, Well, what can be done about that? Well, I'm going to look into it more and see if there's any techniques or things we can do. Yeah. I think... I know a lot of people aren't into labels, um, but I think for you, um, not for everyone, but for you, I think it's good just to know that there is a reason behind these things. And um, not that it can't be helped, but just that it doesn't mean that you're, you know, like lazy or anything like that. Because like you were saying last week, there was a part of you that, or I don't know if you've said it on the podcast or just said it to me, but I know you had a whole thing about, well, I can't quit my job because I'm on the spectrum um but then I did so I think there was a part of you that was a bit like oh maybe like it's me but looking at this it sort of says that it as much as it's you it's probably because of this um I don't know if you wanted to talk more about it actually well I just figured for this uh this particular episode we're just going to do a couple of a couple of bits there was a guy that asked some stuff about um being in a relationship with people that are NT, mm. I figured we could cover that in this hour. But um, yeah, I was just interested in this for now. 
I uh, mean, or do you think like this is more of a would be more of an episode thing to talk about this because we could do this next week, I guess the the what's it called executive functioning disorder? Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's disorder, just uh, executive function is that what it's problems. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we might. Uh, it was just a quick like whoever brought that up because uh, I can't find it now on the Facebook page, but uh, whichever the person that posts that is. Thanks for that. Are we are like I say, Scarlett's looking into it. So we might do an episode on it next week. Um okay. because I think we might have to do episodes on the other side bits anyway, because we did we've done we've kind of gone into the thing, but maybe another episode on like additional stuff. Like uh I know we did one on like did we what was the episode where we talked about dyslexia or dyspraxia and uh, those kind of things that come with it. Either way, wait, 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 I'm gonna do an episode. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do an episode on um, that kind of thing in general. Yeah, because there's a lot of um, not for everyone, but there's a lot of people on the spectrum who don't just suffer from ASD or uh, other aspects of autism, but they also have things like executive function problems, dyspraxia, dyslexia. Um, depression bipolar like there's a lot of things that almost come hand in hand um not for everyone but they're definitely linked ocd yeah yeah um another thing as well that i noticed somebody said on twitter that they because you know like we keep saying like on the spectrum yeah apparently like this person, it was just something that made me think about it. Like, whether you agree with it or not doesn't really matter. It's just something I somebody want to bring up. Uh, somebody was saying that you can't say on the spectrum and... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, you've got ASD and you're on the spectrum. Apparently, the two things are different things. Oh. So, apparently, when you say you're on the spectrum, everybody's on the spectrum to some level. Oh, yeah, I suppose. So, yeah. saying when you're on the spectrum is the same as re- is referring to... Everybody, Everyone. everybody on the planet. So you have to say that you're on the autistic side of the spectrum. I suppose that <laughs> they said, but for some reason they did. They just put like a tweet that was almost like, a, "Can people stop saying when you're on the spectrum, and can people stop saying uh, that as the same thing as being autistic? Because it's not, uh, and having AS or ASD is not the same as being on the spectrum. Everybody's on the spectrum, but not everybody's AS or ASD. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. Not that it matters, because obviously we've we refer to both during this podcast, and, yeah. and nobody's like kicked off about it. Uh, I just, mean, that's a, that's a good point. I'm just saying this this person was, and this person this tweet wasn't particularly directed at us. Okay, uh, it's just one of the people that on our Twitter feed that we're following. Like they just made a point of saying uh, that they hate it when people <laughs> refer to themselves or prefer to people that are autistic as on the spectrum. I, that does make perfect sense. Like I can see why you're bothered. Oh, would right. Oh, because you see that. Yeah. <laughs> now that I've now that I've thought about it, it's true. I think it's more just a it's a way of saying it that's kind of feels. It's a way of saying it that feels inclusive to all the ranges of autism for me. But yeah, I didn't think about how it also includes people that aren't autistic. Yeah, um, I don't know. It was just it was just odd. Yeah, he just said it, it. Can people stop referring to people that are autistic as on the spectrum? Yeah, because I guess yeah, it's called autistic spectrum disorder. So yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose it's uh, it's just weird. I just said it, and you've said it a couple of times during this episode already, where you've said uh, for those on the spectrum, and it's just making me think of this guy now that's just kind of said, "Well, that that means everybody." God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying like change what you're saying. No, I know, but he's right. (laughs) Uh, right. Uh, Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. Somebody said that they hate it that that's a term used for people that are autistic when that's not what that means. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so yeah, one of the other things that was brought up in the, th- in the um, on our page, was it page or was it a private message? I can't remember. I think it was private message. Some guy, uh, some guy, uh, one of our <laughs> listeners has asked about uh, relationships with those that are NT. Um, that's, I suppose that's quite a big topic in a way, just because um, I think every relationship I've been in is NT. Or has been with someone that's NT. Uh, so, you know, and that's partly because one, it's easier to meet people that are NT, as odd as that sounds. Uh, even though, like, I'm autistic, uh, if I wanted to go out and meet people, you're more likely to meet an NT person than someone that's autistic, just because the autistic people are either not out <laughs> yeah. or, yeah. yeah, they not particularly wanting to be with anyone yeah uh so it's it's difficult but and obviously i wasn't diagnosed so um yeah like it's it's whatever and i know that a lot of people that were diagnosed late or those of you that are diagnosed not diagnosed uh you know those of you that haven't been diagnosed or or a late diagnosis but i imagine there's those that have been diagnosed young um, but also ended up going out with someone or being in a relationship with someone that's neurotypical. Uh, I know it happens. I think most people I know that are autistic, uh, that have been in or are in a relationship, I think the majority of them are with neurotypical. I I think I've read a few places that if you get two people that are both like both got Asperger's, if they get in a relationship, it's supposed to work really well um, because there's a similarity there. But I guess because everybody's autism is different, I imagine there's also the opposite is true where you could find two people that their traits are so opposite to each other, Mm. they don't get along. Um, But yeah, somebody just asked what it was like to be in a relationship with someone that's NT. Um, Well, they themselves are with an NT person, but I think the... um, not they are struggling because it sounds like their relationship is great. <coughs> um, but I think they, their partner sometimes struggles. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's something that, that I'm aware of. Um, like all relationships I've been in uh, have ended because of the NTAS like thing. Yes. Uh, they've all ended because of that. And I would definitely say that all the NT, NT people I've been with um, I mean, the la- my ex, my last girlfriend, she knew I was uh, autistic when we got together because yeah. I got diagnosed before we met. Uh, and she did ask me, you know, sometimes to try and be less autistic or just to try and be, you know, like try and be more what she wanted to do. You know, like, so when she wanted to go to like staff parties or out with a friend she'd want me to go with her and meet all her friends and like do that kind of stuff and I used to tell her no uh, and I used to tell her that I couldn't do that kind of thing 
Do you know, and like she, she would say things like, I think we've mentioned it a few times, like she wanted me to be more affectionate and she would ask me to just try and, but she wouldn't like outright say to me, can you be less autistic, please? Yeah. She just, she'd ask me to do stuff or make more effort with things that I just couldn't do. And I think she knew, sometimes she knew that the thing she was asking me to do was something I couldn't do, but just thought she'd ask anyway to find out if I could do it. And I think sometimes she'd ask me stuff that she didn't realize were was related to my autism. So some stuff, uh, you know, like, why don't you hug me more? Or, you know, like, why aren't you more, like, affectionate when we're out in public? Or, you know, like, why, why won't you come out and meet me with my friends and that kind yeah. of thing? You know, like, there'd be times where she went out with her friends and because I drove, I'd go pick her up. Uh, and you know and she'd be like come on out you know why don't you just come inside for a bit do you know what I mean like and just say hello to everyone and I'd just be like no you said come get you so get in the car yeah um, do you know what I mean like so there's stuff like that and sometimes she she just didn't realise that the reason I couldn't do certain things was because of my autism uh, so and in those situations I kind of knew that she didn't realise what she was asking uh, and then there was times where I think she knew what she was asking me to do and no asking me to do something that I wouldn't be comfortable with. But, you know, it's it's like compromise. I think she just thought, I'm not asking you to do it every time. I'm not asking you to do these things constantly. It's a one-off. It might be uncomfortable for you this one time, but it means a big thing to me. So if you could just do it this one time, you know, you're off the hook. Yeah. As far as doing uh, non-autistic things for a couple of months. Uh, but obviously... I was in the mentality of, I told you about my autism when we got together, so no compromise. Yeah. I just won't do stuff. Whereas I think relationships before that, I wasn't diagnosed, so I would either just do everything I'd been asked Mm -hmm. because I thought I was supposed to and find it all horrible and try and get out of it and it resulted in a lot of arguments. Or I would just refuse to go to things or go out to stuff or try and talk her into changing her mind. So I always found that. I always found that, like, once I was diagnosed and told my other half about my diagnosis, when she was like, I want to go out with my friends, you should come with me, I'd say, no. Yeah. I'm not coming to that. I can't. My autism, you know I can't. And then she'd just go on her own. Whereas I think when I was in relationships where I weren't wasn't diagnosed, uh I, she'd be like, do you want to come out with my friends? I'd say, yeah, sure. Let's go out. Uh, and then realise, wait, no, I don't want to do this. Uh, so I would then try and talk her into thinking she didn't want to go either. For some reason in my head, I didn't think that I could just decline this and say, actually, remember I said I could. Uh, I can't and I'm not going. I just thought if I convince her not to go, then uh, she'll cancel and I won't go, oh, no, don't cancel. Mm-hmm. I'll just go, oh, well, if that's what you want to do, then uh, I respect your decision and then, like, I'm out. Um, so I think, like, the problems were the same. But I, when I was in a relationship where they knew I was diagnosed, she was always pushing for me to try and do things that she knew was a long, uncomfortable for me and that kind of thing. And she, she sometimes she'd just go along with it and sometimes she'd accept that, I wasn't coming and that I was staying at home and that I wasn't going out with her and her friends. But you could tell that, like, she'd say things when she got back, like, oh, I wish you could have come. And yeah. do you think you'll ever be able to come out with my friends? Or do you think there'll ever be a time where we're all out together? Or 
<laughs> and, and like sometimes I could tell it was awkward. So sometimes she'd go on what essentially were double dates. So it would be her and supposed to be me, her friend and her friend's boyfriend. But they'd always end up going out as a three. Oh, uh, okay. And I'd just stay at home. Uh, she'd be like, do you want to come to this? And I'd be like, no. And she'd just be like, oh, well, it was kind of like a double date thing. And I'd just be like, yeah, I'm not going to that. So, you know, and uh, she was respectful about it, I suppose, in a sense. Like I say, I just hear the odd complaint after. Uh, and I know she, she'd be annoyed that I didn't. But there was never like a forcing or a trying to make me do it. And like I say, in previous relations before that, I would just agree to stuff and then try and get them out of it. But I'd also realised that I was in a relationship as opposed to go, so my only option was to talk them out and not go in as well. Yeah. Which, to be honest, didn't work all that well. So I went to a lot of stuff that I did not want to go to, which usually ended up with coming back from the nights out uh, and having like an argument with the... Yeah. Uh, me or you know with me and her or you know I didn't doing things like drinking too much because uh that was the only way I could maintain like being social yeah is if I was a little bit drunk so I'd get there be uncomfortable not talk to anyone she'd do that thing where she'd either go to the bar with her friends and leave me with people mm. that I didn't know and I'd be sat there silently like what do I do or she'd be like I'm just go off to the toilet and leave me with everyone and I'd just pretend like I was listening to their conversations, but wouldn't know how to talk to them. So I found that like if I just got drunk, then uh, that made that easier. And I could talk to them a little bit. But like me drinking makes me like the normal small talk entry social level that empty <laughs> people just, uh, you know, are naturally good at. So, yeah, it's... Uh, but I, I never... I never had what this person that's uh, message just said, I guess, which was was a right in thinking that he was asked to uh, behave or try and be more. Yeah, I think that his partner basically said something to the effect of you don't realise or you need to remember how hard it is to be with you or how much they have to, I guess, give up to be with them. Um, and because they have to make a lot of compromises for the person who's autistic, the person who's autistic should try to sometimes be a little bit more compromising as well, <coughs> which I guess means like the showing of affection a bit more, maybe trying to do more social things. Um, I don't know about the social side of it, but definitely the affection, I think, was mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the trouble, though. Like, I think compromise is something that uh, I think a lot of people who are autistic, we can't really do. It's it's not It's not that we're choosing to not do these things because that's what we'd rather or that's what we fancy, you know. It's not like the person you're with fancies going on a night out and you fancy staying at home. Uh, it's, it's, I feel like when I hear compromise, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like, okay, but if I do this thing for you, you've got to mm-hmm. do this thing for me. And it, it's, not that, it's not that we could go out and we could do these things and we could, you know, go against the things that are causing us anxiety and the issues that come with, you know, doing these things. It's not like we could, but we'd rather not. 
Yeah. It's that's kind of that's not how it works. So, yeah, with compromise, it's it's bizarre because you can't compromise because there's no logic to it in that sense. I can't I can't think of something that if I was in a relationship with someone that was NT and they said, "Look, compromise." You can stay in and not come out with me <laughs> and my friends like tonight, but then that means that uh, I'm trying to think of like next week. Next week, yeah, we uh, we go to a you know we go to like a, a a gig or something. You know, like I just don't I just don't see that happening. I I can't see you talking to someone that's autistic and saying to them. Okay, but like I know we stayed in, and I know like we. Do you know what I mean? It's not the same as like saying to someone, "All right, I know you wanted to watch a horror film tonight. We'll watch a horror <laughs> film tonight." Yeah. But then that means next week we're watching a romantic comedy. Like yeah. it's it's not like that. It's not like okay, you stay in this Saturday night, but next Saturday night we're going clubbing, and you go fine. Okay, if we're staying in this Saturday, then I agree that next Saturday we're going out. Which I know that like if it's NTNT. If you're two NT people together, that is a possibility, I imagine, where you just go, I don't fancy going out tonight, fine. But if you don't fancy it tonight, I do want to go out. <laughs> but, you know, for the sake of compromise, we'll stay in tonight and I'll sacrifice my Saturday night to stay in and watch movies with you. But next Saturday, you're going to sacrifice your watching movies to go out with me. It, it doesn't work like that. So this message for me, it kind of says that the other half doesn't really understand yeah how autism works in that sense because it's not like it's not like it's a choice it's not like i chose not to go out with my ex and her friends because i didn't like them or because i couldn't be bothered or no. because i didn't fancy it i chose not to go out because i don't know them um and like I, I didn't want to go out on a Saturday night. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't definitely didn't want to go to a bar. Like it's too much stuff that I just can't do. You know, yeah. and it's it's like anything else. It, it's like um, it's almost like do you know like if you've got someone that's scared of heights. Yeah. Uh, and it's like saying, um, do you want to go like to the on on top of this high building? Yeah. And then going. No, 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 I'm all right, thanks. Fine, but like, you know, we should go up there at some point. Yeah, yeah, well, you, well no, no, I can't, <laughs> I can't go up there. It's just like, look, look, I I went like into the, the low, like, I went into the, the underground with you. Yeah. That's what we agreed. Underground this week, high building next week. You can both do the underground. Yeah. We can both stay in and watch telly. Yeah. But you can go on top of the building I physically will not go up there. Yeah. And that's the kind of difference. And I suppose, you know, I don't know if it's like because awareness of autism is not that like well. I don't know if it's because people don't really understand how it works. But it's not a case of if you are in a relationship with someone that's autistic uh, that you think you can talk them around or you think that they (laughs) can be bargained with or persuaded to do something that they know they can't do it. They just, they just can't do it. And I think one of the worst things or one of the, the bad things that had happened to me in previous relationships is when I know I can't do something uh, and I know I know I just can't do it. And to have them like sort of say to you like, I wish you could do this <laughs> or why can't you just try? It's, it's like everything else we've ever talked about in these podcasts. Um, 
you know, like when I I said before, like with like uni, school, college, that kind of thing, uh, where I would write an essay, get a really bad grade of it back. They'd send me notes of like, do the research, you know, do the reading, do this, understand this better. I'll give you a chance to rewrite it and I want you to put everything into it because you haven't done it this time. And then, you know, then I did all that. I tried my best to do the reading, even though I can't do the reading. I tried my best to improve everything, did everything I like, put as much into it as I possibly could. And then, you know, I ended up getting like a worse grade than the first time round because the first time round was as close as I was going to get. The second time round, I was too confused by what they want. Uh, it's kind of like that. It's it's then them then going, well, what is this? This is worse. I feel like that's it's happened before as well in relationships or something similar where I'm trying, but my trying isn't going anywhere and no matter how much you try because of the way things are and the way the autism works you you can't improve yeah um but it's having the other person that you're speaking to you've tried to explain to them you've tried to tell them you're trying you've tried to tell them how much you've done but they're still disappointed yeah um and they just don't get it and this sounds like that this sounds like you you're in a relationship with someone that's into you do the best you can and do everything you can you know as someone on the spectrum well someone that's autistic and uh it's still not good enough because this thing that you have and that is part of you is not doing what the other person wants it to do you know yeah yeah no i agree um i think it kind of for me, I think there's two parts to it. So I think there's the first part, which is what you just said, um, about you do something that you can't, you can't do it. So yes, the, someone asking you to go out with their friends, they, they won't be, they might be a little bit upset, but they won't have like a proper reaction to you not going. They could go out on their own with their friends and still have a good time, but might be a little bit disappointed you're not there. Um, Whereas you going out with their friends might cause you a massive meltdown. It will cause you a lot of anxiety and stress. So it doesn't really feel like a compromise because for them, there's not, really a lose there's a being disappointed but it's not the equivalent to a meltdown um as such so yeah so there's sort of that side even though i understand when you're nt like it must be difficult it's Ah, just yeah i get what you mean though i just realized what you yeah you're saying like the stakes are higher yeah if you compromise as a autistic person yeah to if you compromise in your nt yeah which like i don't want to put any I don't want to put down and like an NT person's feelings regarding it. I don't want to say that because I'm sure, yeah, maybe just one time of your partner not coming out it wouldn't be that bad. But I'm sure when it's every single time, I'm sure it is bad. But just one time going out can cause such massive stress and meltdowns like it can be really difficult. Um, so that's one side to it, I think. The other side to it that I have definitely experienced in my last relationship with an NT person um we so he liked to sort of sit down sort of once every month and sort of go over things in our relationship oh yeah you told me about this yeah yeah, which is is fine um and I think he thought it would help so he would want to talk about the things that 
he didn't really like that I did um and sort of maybe strategies of what we could do to improve the relationship I didn't really ever have anything that I thought he could do (laughs) I just uh maybe I didn't think enough into it but um wait so before you move on with this so you how often was this about once a month once a month (laughs) And yes, it was always the same thing. You and him would sit down and talk about the relationship. Yeah. But he would list all these things that he wanted you to do to make the relationship better. And then when it came to your part of listing everything you wanted him to do, you listed nothing. I don't want to say I listed nothing, but I don't... One, when I say he listed things, it wasn't like... 30 things that it was usually two or three things um and but it's still once a month yeah i've been in relationships for i mean my last relationship was nearly five years and we did not have a sit there. no i know i know um but this is the thing he liked to do which is fine um oh, i'm how not I, saying not i mean no it's quite grown up it's just i suppose if you don't know that you're he didn't know i was autistic i want to throw this out i didn't know i was autistic he didn't know I was autistic. But the things he was... What's an example of something he was cool. listening? So, so, this is where I think the other side to compromise comes in. So, every month, I would say, it was always a thing with intimacy. Um, I wasn't affectionate enough. Um, I didn't like physical contact. I didn't like hugging, kissing, holding hands didn't really like being sat next to each other on the sofa and touching like i didn't really like our bodies to touch yeah which i've seen your old sofa it was a small sofa (laughs) like it's yeah i'd be like crawled up against the furthest end of it or just not get on the sofa if he was on it um in bed i like to sleep sort of as far away as possible um so that was always a thing that came up the fact that i'm not very affectionate uh also i never said anything nice apparently i never did the Apparently, he'd say nice things to me, which, if I'm honest, I never noticed, which he probably did. But I... Oh, this is another thing that always came up. I didn't listen, which I know I didn't. Well, I mean, you've just said that you had these meetings <laughs> oh once a God. month. I'm and so... he said that he... I know. usually said that he said nice things. So that means that every month he said nice things to you. And in this meeting, every month he told you he said nice things to you. Uh but at no point did you think I should start paying attention. You just said that you still never noticed every time. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, one big thing that came up all the time and would he'd get angry about this so much is he'd tell me something for probably maybe we'd have like an hour-long discussion about something. And then the next day or a couple of days later, he would mention it again and I'd go, I don't know what you're talking about. And he'd be, And he would get so annoyed because I never listened. And that was definitely a fault of mine. I have really bad if I'm not interested my brain will shut off and pretend that I'm involved in a conversation but my brain will just be thinking elsewhere and I won't listen and that happened a lot I don't know why it was really bad I know it's bad but I I just wasn't that interested in things he had to say which is horrible um and it's not because he was boring or anything like that just I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with other people. Was that just a him thing? Uh, No, I'm like that with a lot of people. A lot of people in everyday life, if they talk, um, 
a lot of the time I find it interesting. Sorry, I've completely gone off my point. My other point is the other side of compromise, so not the stakes being different. But with regards to affection, I thought that we would... I thought I'd be compromising uh, without realising how different our idea of compromising was. So I think because to him, something like a hug is not a very big deal. Whereas to me, a hug was a huge deal. Something I really didn't want to do. Kind of made me feel just uh, just horrible. The stress. Didn't like it. Made me really uncomfortable. So I would think that I was doing a massive compromise by giving him a hug. And then we'd sit down and he'd say, you never hug me. And I'd say something along the lines of, I did. I gave you a hug three weeks ago. Which to him... (laughs) He would go, well, that's nothing, what? That's nothing, what are you on about? Whereas to me, I'd be like, are you, that's huge. That's a really big thing that I did. I've compromised. Like, I'm trying to hug you once a month now. And I think that's the other side to it. What seems like a really big deal to me was not a really big deal to him. And what he wanted was way more than I could ever give. Yeah, I suppose if he didn't know you were autistic and you didn't know either... Saying to someone, I gave you a hug three weeks ago, and what more do you want? <laughs> uh, like, in anywhere, if you told anybody else that, or if he told, like, his friends that that you hugged, you said you'd hugged him three weeks ago, so what's the big deal? That does sound, <laughs> like, ridiculous. That does sound yeah. like, how is that even slightly, like, acceptable? Well, but had he, had he have known? Yeah. Had he have known you were on the spectrum, um, then... He might have been fine. He might have said, like, yeah, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but for Scarlett, that's a big deal. Well, what I think, I think had both of us have known that I was on the spectrum, uh, we probably wouldn't have been in a relationship for as long as we were. We were were only together for about 10 months, but I, I think it would have been less time because... I think he was expecting me to change. And I think there was a thing in my head that thought that I would change. Um, It just got to a point when we ended because we both realised, maybe more so me, but he knew it too, like, as well, definitely. I think we both just realised that I wasn't going to change. A big thing for me, I haven't had many relationships because, um, as you've said, a lot of people who are autistic aren't really big on them and I'm one of those people but um something that's come up in every sort of relationship that I've been in (coughs) is the other person obviously all of them for me were before diagnosis um the other person thinking that I am a sociopath or just really cold having no emotion that's just a big thing that's always come up for me um I'm not very emotional around people as much as possible. So not that I'm not an emotional person because obviously I get super worked up. But if it, I only do that around people that I'm really close to. So if the sort of relationship was one where I wasn't very close to the person, I would not show any sign of emotion at all. Um, and yeah, the sociopath thing, again, it just came from, I was always really cold to people or oh, that's what they would tell me um wouldn't yeah I'm not affectionate not um very like intimate didn't really do that like hugging kissing that sort of thing um and 
yeah, I just got that a lot, which I think is probably because a lot of... Uh, obviously, not all NT people are really affectionate either. But I think for a lot of people, the expectation is holding hands, is hugging, is, like, kissing each other. Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Or, and, yeah, saying nice things, compliments... I mean, this is the, I suppose, if you were being mistaken for a sociopath, uh, sociopath is because uh, you weren't behaving what's considered normal. Um, Which I guess if you were anti and behaving that way, that's why it's got a name and has some connotations that people don't approve of. But once you're recognised as autistic, apparently it's not seen that way anymore and it's seen as something else. So, yeah. I would say that the fact that your other half's not knowing you were autistic went for something like sociopath, then um, that's... Uh, yeah, that's um, it's about right, because it's not the norm. Yeah. I, I don't think that it's always bad either. I think NTAS relationships can work. It's just... Um, I, and think- I, I think there can be benefits as well yeah i think so i just i'm just not convinced that those that are autistic can change so i think if you get with someone that is autistic and you're not and you think that they'll change while you're with them they won't my ex was convinced they can change and the reason for that being is when we got together because when i meet nt people I mimic their behavior and what they're like. I get to know them uh, and I copy what they like, who they are, what kind of person they are to make them get along with me. So it's easier for me to interact with them if they, I suppose, like me. Um, And I do that with people I meet. Um, Whether I'm trying to get in a relationship with them or not, it's just what I do. Uh, but when I do meet someone that I'm in a relationship with, I do it straight away and pretend I'm neurotypical. Yeah. I do all the things they want to do. I put all my energy and effort into appearing neurotypical and doing normal things. I've always done it. Yeah. Um, even with my last relationship, even though I told her I was autistic, she didn't know what Asperger's was. She had heard of it, but didn't know what it was. I was behaving like an NT person during the first, like, couple of months of the relationship. So she thought, oh, Asperger's can't be that bad at all. The trouble is, is when I do that is I only do it for a short period of time to get that person comfortable with me. Because when I first meet a stranger, I don't know how to be with them and I find them weird to be around. So I just, like I say, but I've said before, I know loads of different podcasts that I, you know, do the FaceType thing. I do the personality thing. I figure out what they're going to be like. I then copy what they do. I then change my personality to fit with their personality better just so we get along. If I see someone a lot, then I keep doing that and doing that and doing that. If it's a stranger, I do like a smaller toned down version just to make my interactions with them easier. If it's someone I'm going to see all the time, I put on a whole personality thing. If it's someone I get into a relationship with... I try and go out of my way to make myself like as best of uh, the boyfriend that I can be based on what I think they want. But the trouble is, is I can't do it forever. It becomes very tiring and very draining. The more comfortable I get with someone, 
the less of an act I put on. <laughs> um, and then before you know it, I've gone back to how I actually am, which is fine for friends because they don't notice the change. So they notice how I was when we met, but they don't notice that I've calmed right down uh, and everything's gone back to normal. And same with strangers. They don't see me enough to notice a difference. But in a relationship, it's different. And with my last girlfriend... I told her what autism was. I behaved normally. She just thought, who cares? Why did he even tell me this isn't a big deal? But then after like three months, I went back to how I am now. Uh, and she was just like, you don't do this anymore. <laughs> this doesn't happen. You've stopped doing this. And I just kind of went, yeah, I know. But like, that's just what autism is. And she she got it in her head that I can do it. So I'm now choosing not to anymore. And I tried to explain to her that I can't maintain that and doing that is very stressful. It causes me a lot of anxiety. It affects like my sleep. It affects like everything. I, I get very like overwhelmed by a lot of stuff. I get more meltdowns when I start doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but she'd got it in her head that I could do it. And despite the fact that we were together for five years and only three months out of those five years, I appeared NT. Um, she still kept thinking that she could change me Back. Back into that. Yeah. And I think that's the problem that when you get with someone that is autistic, is thinking they can change. And I know when you get with someone that's NT, they either will or won't change. Some do, some don't. But they they can be changed. I hear Sometimes, people, yeah. I hear people talk about it all the time. You know, like, oh, yeah, I had a best mate and then he got with this girl and like now he's not even the same person anymore yeah or you, you sometimes hear sort of women be like oh when we first got together he was a, a proper bachelor and now yeah yeah it happens yeah. um and like your ex same like otherwise if he didn't believe he could change you he wouldn't be having these monthly meetings so that's the normal thing to do but i think when you get with someone on the spectrum like it, like i've said before when i got diagnosed I thought I would get diagnosed and my therapist would teach me how to control it, how to change my behavior and how to achieve the NT things that I wanted to achieve. But what she told me was you need to just accept that you can't change. You need to accept that this is who you are. You need to accept that these are your autistic behaviors. And that's that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the ways the autistic NT relationship works is if you're the NT you need to just accept what their autism is, how they are, and, do you know what I mean, like, how they do things. Yeah. I think thinking that you can change them so it's better for you isn't going to work. Uh, I think it just it just causes a lot of fights, a lot of arguments. I mean, I fell out with my ex pretty much every time we had that conversation. Every time we had that conversation about how I was when we first met, <laughs> and how I should try and compromise stuff like nine times out of ten that conversation ended in a fight yeah yeah I was just um just thinking about it actually from the flip side thinking about it from my ex-boyfriend's perspective I've just thought about something else I think that he changed so in the same way that you're saying you when you first meet someone you do all this um NT stuff and then you go back when me and my ex sort of got together I think I expressed that I don't really like going out that much uh, I'm not a big friend person I'm much happier on my own um, I think sometimes people think oh poor you you don't have any friends I don't think that it's out of choice 
uh, that I don't have friends <coughs> that I hang out with. Um, and it, I'm fine with that. But I think um, he did a... He stopped going out, really. Um, he did, like, poker night once a week, which was good for me because I could... I did cleaning while he was out. Um, and I, I was into that. Like, that was nice. But I think for him so he wasn't going out and we were at uni at the time as well so like when you're at university there's a lot of nights out that are going on and I wasn't into them I didn't do that so I never wanted to go um like and then he would stay in with me I never asked him to like he could go out if he wanted to that was cool but a lot of the time he'd go, no, I'm not really into that either. I'd rather just stay in. We can hang out, which I think is like, you know, wanting to spend time with me because we were together or whatever. But I noticed that towards the end of our relationship, he was trying to get me to go out a lot more and would be like, oh, come on, don't you want to do this night out? And I'd be like, no, I don't because I've never wanted to do a night out. You go, but I don't want to. And I think I think at some point he did say, so what, we're just never going to go on a night out together again. I was a bit like, no. Um, and I noticed that after we broke up, he started going out several times a week. Not every week. He didn't become some massive party animal, but he was definitely going on quite a lot of nights out. And I think I sort of realised that that was probably what he wanted to do the whole time we were together. And he probably just wasn't doing that because I wasn't into it. Like I say, he could have gone on his own, but I guess he didn't really want to. I think he wanted it to be a a thing we did together. So yeah, I think there's obviously an NT compromise as well that if that's... I just don't think either side should have to compromise. I guess like compromises should be made, but you shouldn't have to change who you are. Like I can understand that an NT person, not only would they want the affection and stuff, but they might not want to stay in every night and even though if you're not forcing them they want to hang out with you but if you're not going out with them and that's what they want I don't know I can see I can see loads of reasons why it would be difficult from both sides but like you say like loads of people make it work so I think it just depends on the person who's autistic it depends on their traits and what they like doing and it depends on the NT person as well. Because a lot of people are either NT and don't really want to hang out and their partner doesn't really want to hang out, like go out and stuff and that's fine. Or there's a lot of NT people that want to be really social and go out all the time but they don't mind if their partner isn't. And in those cases, I think it will it works fine. I think it's just when you've got two people who want to do completely different things and want different things out of each other that's when it's a struggle does that make sense i just blabbered a bit <laughs> sorry yeah i just uh i just don't see it as a i know what you're saying yeah i just don't see it as a even we keep saying the word compromise it's not a compromise no it's not like it's i think if you're if you're with someone that's autistic and they don't want to do something, don't feel like you've got to then not do it either. No. Just because they don't want to. No, absolutely. And they, then you're, as the NT, you're doing compromise, but then um, you're, well, you're compromising, 
Uh, but then you think that as a that somewhere down the line, you know, I mean, they now owe you one. Yeah, no, um, I can't think that. It, it just doesn't work like that. I think what it has to be is like what I said, like the relationship I was in is when there's something that I can't do or won't do, don't just think, well, then we won't do it, but you owe me one. Just you do it anyway. Um, I feel like it's... It, that's what she that's what she did like there was stuff that I didn't want to do but she didn't go okay then fine we'll stay in but like I want to go out sometime she just sort of go well I'm still going uh, or I'm gonna still do that though. yeah and I didn't then go no I thought we said we were staying in. and I just kind of went all right uh you have fun doing that um because I didn't I didn't feel like it was it was a problem yeah um, I didn't, so it's, it's difficult because it's not like I could have done these things and chose not to because I just couldn't be bothered. Like I've said, it, it was just, I couldn't do them. So I feel like it's not fair to then make me, try and get me to do something that I can't do. And then when I say I can't do it, think, well, that's a favor you owe me now then. Yeah. Like, you know, because that would have gone on forever because yeah. I never would have done these things you owe me another one then, you owe me another one. I think you just need to realise the things that the person you're with that's autistic uh, just can't do certain stuff and you just need to be okay with that. But if you were one of those people that needs to do stuff, like your ex who wanted to go out on nights out and wanted to play poker, what you should have just done is just gone out still. Yeah. Just gone out without you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you said that you didn't mind him doing the poker nights, but I imagine equally had he have said to you... um, all right, but I want to go out to clubs and I want to go out drinking with, like, other uni people. You'd have probably just gone, well, yeah, you can still. Well, yeah, there were, there were so many times where he'd go, oh, do you want to go on this night out? Or someone would be planning a night out. And I'd go, no. Or, like you said you did in your ex, I would go, yeah, that sounds great. And it would get to the night out, say, so we were meant to go to pre-drinks at seven. I'd finish work at six. I'd get home from work. He'd be dressed and ready to go. And I'd just go, no, I'm not going tonight. But I'd be like, but you still go. Um, you have a good night. I'll see you later. And he'd sort of go, well, I don't want to go without you. Which, yeah, I think he'd have been happier had he have just gone. <coughs> Yes, I mean, just go. Yeah. Because, um, like I say, I, I would just be like, cool, like, have a nice night. I'll see you later, but I really don't want to go. And I think that would really get to him. He'd be like, but I really, like, I don't, just come. Yeah, I mean, had my ex have, have stayed, had stayed in every time I went, I'm not going to that. She would have never gone to anything. No. Like, there was loads of stuff she wanted to, like, um, prime example, she liked going on holiday. I didn't like going on holiday. If it was up to me, we never would have gone on holiday the whole time we were together. And to be fair, I never went on holiday the whole time we were together. But she knew I was never going to go. So once a year, she went on holiday with her friends. Yeah. Uh, so she still managed to go on holiday. She just, I think in the end, it just got too much. And she realized that there was all kinds of stuff she wanted to experience with her other half. Yeah. Uh, and these things she wanted to experience were things that I would never do. So we had to end it. But, um, you know, we lasted five years with the system of if she wanted to do something, she just had to realize that if I say no, it's because I can't. 
So she would just have to either go do it by herself or find someone else to go do it with. Um, yeah, I think she was really good with your autism. Like, yeah. I don't think it was like a, she had a problem. I just think, I think you're right. I think maybe it got to a point where she just realised that she wanted more. Yeah, she wanted a partner that she could do this stuff with. Yeah. I thought it was a compromise in the sense of, I'm not going, but you still go. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think she just, she wanted to do stuff as a, she used to say it all the time, like, but I want to do stuff as a couple. And I just be like, well, I can't do this stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's the difference, I suppose. Uh, you know, like in relationships where I wasn't diagnosed, it was the other way around, like yourself. We'd say, I'd say we're going to do something. I'd say we go do it. And then I'd, right at the last minute, I'd go, we're not going. And then she wouldn't go either. Yeah. So she'd go, fine, then we'll stay in. And then just be in a huff and be annoyed all night because we were supposed to be doing something that we're now not doing because of me. And I was just seen as boring or yeah. or dull yes. or like lazy. Um, but that's because there wasn't the, I didn't know what it was. It didn't have a name. Once you Once I had the diagnosis and told told my other half it it was different because she knew what it was and how it worked but for those of you listening to this that are in a nt autistic relationship and they know you're autistic and they still want you to do stuff that you know you can't do i i don't know i wouldn't be able to tell you what like the solution to that is because the solution to it in the end in my previous relationship was we broke up because it just got too much because I was refusing to budge and she couldn't shake the feeling of, I want to have a partner I can do this stuff with. So it just didn't work out. But I suppose those relationships that that do work out that are NT and AS, I think that's because they've worked out the balance of it and how it works. And maybe there are people on the spectrum that isn't just a case of, like with me, I, I said that the stuff that I couldn't do was not out of choice. I just couldn't do it. So I always used to tell the person I was with, this is just how I am. Accept it. Um, maybe there are those out there on the spectrum that do no ways around it or have worked out a way to go do these things that I just always say, I can't do that, so I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely... <coughs> we haven't really said anything like... <laughs> positive about uh ntas relationships on this but that doesn't mean that there aren't any i think we this episode was more focused on the struggles that you can face um but yeah there are loads of positive aspects to it as well in terms of um often uh nt people can do things that you can't do uh or struggle to do so they can do it for you and make it easier and um I'm sure there's a lot to learn from each other and positive yeah. aspects you can take from each other. But yeah, I think this episode was more uh, the struggles of it, which is what we've spoken about. So it's not meant to be super negative and it's definitely not meant to say to everyone, if you're in an NTAS relationship, it's coming to an end. That's not what we're trying to say at all. I just want to clarify that in case, because I'm sure there's loads of people listening that are in this uh, type of relationship and are thinking... Well, my relationship works great, which is great. Um, that's definitely not what we're saying. Um, it's actually, it would be interesting if you're a member of our group or want to be, feel free to join. But it would be really interesting for people to comment on there or message us privately if you'd rather. And just let us know about your relationship and how that works. Um, and if there's anything you found that has helped 
Um, Because, yeah, I think that would be really interesting, actually, because we're talking... The only examples we have are of relationships that have ended. So that's why we've got more of these struggles. We haven't got any... Like, neither of us are with an NT person, so we haven't got a a good perspective on it. Like I said before, all the relationships I've been in that have ended have ended because of my autism. Uh, Just previous ones before my diagnosis, I didn't know... That's the name of the reason why it ended until after I got diagnosed. And then I was like, ah, right, that all makes sense. Yeah. And my last one, same. Um, but yeah, there are people that are in autistic relation, well, autistic anti-relationships that have made them work and have made them last. It's just uh, I have no experience of one and neither do you. So obviously we can only really go off this podcast based on examples of our own. And the examples of our own aren't particularly... Well, they do. Yeah, my last relationship had its positive points. It's just uh, I couldn't get it to work, but that's all really. No, but now you've got a good friendship. Yes, like yeah, made, me and her made still... made it work in a good friendship Yeah, we way. still get along. Yeah. yeah, I still get along fine. Um, but yeah, that is it. This episode has overrun a little bit. Yes. So that is it for this week. Yeah, uh, I'm actually really excited for next week, talking about... Um, cognitive function and maybe talking about a few other side things yeah uh if i'm still alive next week obviously well if not you'll just have to listen to my really annoying voice for an hour oh god we'd lose so many listeners but yeah that's it uh please visit our page on facebook which is them aspergers there's a group on there to join where i post questions on a weekly basis yeah uh and yeah that's it for now thanks again for listening thank you so much bye